right, y'all ready? We weren't supposed to do this song this morning, but I feel like it's a little fitting now. Let's go. Come on.
Yeah. 
Do you believe that with all your heart this morning? Do you believe that you are a child of God? Simply because that's what he says. Just just simply because that's who he says you are. That's what he says you are. You're his child. You're, you're an adopted heir to the throne of the kingdom of heaven. How does that not stir up joy in your heart? How does that not let you know that you are chosen, you are called, you have been made right with the King of Kings or through the King of Kings, you have been made right with Jehovah and now his spirit rests upon you and everybody can see it. When you let the glory of the Lord rest upon you, everybody knows it because you shine bright. Jesus says we are we are like cities on a hilltop that can't be put out. You know, you see a city on a hilltop from a far distance and that's what we're supposed to look like in the spirit so you are a child of God this morning you are a child of God and if you've spent one moment in his presence one you know that there's nothing greater than just a moment in his presence it can change everything it can change the way you feel it can change the way you think it can change the way the way your health is it can change so many different aspects of your life just one moment that's why they say he can do more in a moment than we can do in a lifetime right and so as victor said this morning and we even sang that song taste and see that the lord is good i dare you to taste and see that the lord is good if you didn't know the lord tastes good i dare you to taste (laughs) and see so i'm gonna pray lord jesus 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 Thank you for your unfailing love. Thank you for just engulfing us with your presence. Because your presence is, is a true gift and a true reward, Lord. I pray this morning you open the hearts of everyone here. And just, just open their hearts and give them a wisdom and understanding like never before. Let this speak to their hearts and speak to their spirits, Lord. And I just I pray that you bless them through this message today, through the speaking of your word. I pray that it blesses their lives. We love you dearly, Lord. We are here in your house, in your presence, and we are looking to catch you doing something new. So allow us. I, I pray and I ask. Allow us to catch you doing something new. We don't want to see the same old things. We know you're, you're the God of restoration. You're the God of, of life. And so I pray that you, you just let us catch you doing something new today, Lord. We love you. We give you all the praise and all the glory. And we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team. That was beautiful as always. As always. So, it's pretty cool, you know, whenever, God knows, you know, when we, when we seek to be led by the Lord, don't you know he'll lead you, right? And if you believe in him with your whole heart, and you trust in him with your whole heart, as Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't lean on your understanding. And when you seek to be led by him, you, he will reveal himself to you, right? We talked about James 4, 8. And he says, if you will draw close to me, I will draw close to you. But he says, stop being double-minded. Don't be double-minded, all right? Don't, don't, don't think, don't try to serve the world and serve me also. 
Don't be double-minded, right? He, he, he says, serve me. If you seek me, you will find me. But he says, you have to seek me wholeheartedly, okay? And so it's just, it's amazing. Me and my wife were worshiping this morning, and I believe the song came on about your presence. It's, it's your presence is our greatest weapon, right? And it's a beautiful song. And my wife, she messages the youth with it. And, you know, she said, she said guys, you know, don't you know that, that the Jesus' presence is our greatest weapon, right, against darkness, against everything. But not only is it our greatest weapon, but it's also our greatest reward, right? There's nothing greater than, than the presence of God in your life, nothing, right? And I, I, I come across something in a devotional yesterday that, that I shared with a couple places, but it says, it says, God wants to bless you beyond your ability, to ask or imagine because he says that he can do more than we might think or imagine so imagine the greatest thing that you believe god can do for you and he says i can still do more than what you can think or imagine and then the question was what is the blessing of god right but this will also tell you it's a little hard because it'll tell you where your heart is too right because you think about it what 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 is the blessing of god for you what is the blessing of god in your life Well, it goes on to say, it's God. More of God is the blessing of God. To see more of God in your life, right? It says God with us, God for us, and God in us is the true blessing. It says to reduce it to anything less dishonors God and devalues the blessing of God. Okay? It says God with us is joy unspeakable and the peace that surpasses understanding. Philippians 4, 7 says, don't be anxious about anything, but instead pray about everything. And the peace of God, which exceeds all understanding, will rest upon you. All right? God for us is his favor. It's the X factor between the best we can do and the best he can do in your life. There's a huge difference between the best we can do and the best he can do in life. Big, big difference. Remember, God's strength works best in our weaknesses, right? Not our strengths. So I can go and do things in the strengths that God gave me, but there's a limit to what I can do. But when I work through my weaknesses, there's no limit to what I can do because God's strength shines all the more. You understand that, right? And then it said, God in us is power, resurrection power. He said, I have not given you a spirit of fear or timidity. I've gave you a spirit of power and sound mind and love, right? And he said, the same power that resides in you is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. So why aren't we seeking this power, right? So when we think about what blessings could we receive from the Lord, we need to be of the mindset, more of the Lord is the blessing. Because more of the Lord opens doors that we can't open. Right. So we've over the last two weeks, which has been a blessing. Right. This is this has been my first go round with three weeks in a row. And I was like, oh, Lord, what are you doing? (laughs) What are you doing? Right. And so but it's still it's been great because I can promise you. All right. Preparing for a sermon seems like a daunting like, oh, Lord, where do I even start? Well, we got to start with prayer always. But it's an, it always turns into an adventure than something that's like, dang it, i got to put another sermon together, right? But 
that's crazy because I need, I, we have to be of the mindset of, I get to put another sermon together. Life would be a whole lot worse if I didn't get to put another sermon together, right? So when we look at things begrudgingly, we got to understand that we said, we said uh, two weeks ago, right? Has it ever occurred to you that nothing occurs to God or nothing has occurred to God, right? And so I have to trust that God knows exactly where I am, doing exactly what I'm doing, and he has appointed me to be right here in this place. And if I will serve him with faithfulness, he will exalt me. That's what he says. If we will submit ourselves and humble, if we will humble ourselves to him, he will exalt us. But, but exaltation comes through humility, but not exaltation as in I want to be more popular. No, I want to be exalted in such a way that I get to spend more time with him. That's what we need to be looking for. We need to be looking for ways that we get to be in his presence more. So we talked about serving him on purpose, right? Why do we serve him on purpose? We serve him on purpose because of what he's already done for us. Okay? And, it, and it's as simple as, don't you understand that when you start serving God on purpose, he starts doing things for you on purpose. He's draw close to me and I will draw close to you. As you say, as you choose in your heart, okay, God, I'm tired of just living this, this life on the bench and I want to draw closer to you. God says, I hear you. I see you because you're speaking to him from your heart. And he says, you don't got to worry about where I am. As you're coming close to me, I'm already coming close to you. He knows when you make that decision because you decided in your heart, right? And when you truly decide that in your heart, he hears it every single time, okay? And so then last week we talked about, you know, we serve him on purpose, but but. You could be under the mindset of like, well, God, you don't know what I've done. Yeah, yes, he does know what you did, right? It, we've made mistakes in life, but God's not looking for the perfect. He's looking for the willing, right? Many times God used people who made major mistakes, who weren't perfect, who doubted, who were sinners, right? That's who God used because they were willing. And if you're willing to be used by God, he will use you. He will use you. And if you desire for more of God to be the blessing in your life, you will get more of God because that's coming from a pure heart. Instead, like um, Solomon, right? When, when God asked Solomon in a vision, what do you want? Solomon said he just wanted the wisdom to rule or govern the people well. And God said, okay, he blessed him with, with greater wisdom than anyone's ever had. But he said, also, God said, I'm also going to bless you with what you didn't ask for. I'm going to bless you with riches. I'm going to bless you with fame. I'm going to bless you with all these things because he didn't. He asked for something with the right heart. Instead of looking for worldly greed, worldly riches, and things like that, he asked for wisdom, the wisdom of God. And God blessed him with the worldly things. And that teaches us that lesson. If we pursue the things of the world apart from God, we only get temporary things that fade like the flower and wither like the grass. But when we seek God, the things of the world come with God and they can't be taken away. So so we serve him. It's not perfect. It's the willing. But then you're like, but God, you know, I'm not. He ain't calling me. Oh, if you're sitting in this room, he called you. You have been chosen. Right. You wouldn't be sitting in this room if you weren't called. And then you're like, well, well, I can't do that. But he's like, well, let me remove that excuse because he says, 
I give you the power and the desire to do what pleases me. Only by his spirit, right? Not by might, not by strength, but by his spirit, says the Lord, will these things happen. So it's not even on your shoulders what he's calling you to do because he says, I am going to give you what you need to serve me. And so if we pursue him, he will give us what we need. And then this week, since we know we serve him, we need to serve him on purpose. And since we know that it's not perfect, like I don't have to be perfect. I just need to be willing. But in that willing process, what you need to understand is the Lord, the Holy Spirit. When he comes upon you, he takes that imperfectness and he molds that heart and he changes the way you feel. He changes the way you think. You don't desire the things of the world like you used to because now you're going to desire more of God. And with God, there is no evil. It's, it's, he is holy. He is pure. There is no impurities in God. So when you desire God, he starts changing that heart and molding just everything. He removes that stony, stubborn heart and gives you a heart of flesh and love and compassion. And the desires that you once had, you will no longer have because now you want to please him. And that's what we need to pursue. And so now, this week, I want to talk about being led by the Lord. It's time, right? We, we know we serve him on purpose. We know it's not perfect but willing. So now it is time to be led by the Lord. That's what we need to seek, to be led by the Lord. Okay? In Jeremiah 17... Seven through eight. I, uh, it's funny. We have several text groups, right? And one of them was a small group text group. And I sent this. This came to me. You know, God shared it with me. And you know, when it's funny because when I know I'm going to preach, it's like all of a sudden I fall off the map. I get real quiet, right? But in our in our little text groups and stuff, it's because. If I don't shut up, I'm going to be telling all my business about the sermon throughout the week. <laughs> huh? I did. I did. And so I was like, it put it out there. And I was like, ah, I should have never put that out there. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, zip it. All right. For the rest of the week. So, um, but Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8 says, but blessed are those who trust in the Lord. And have made the Lord their hope and confidence. Taste the Lord and see if he is good, right? Blessed are those who make the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a river bank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruits. As servants of the Lord, don't you know our faith is measured by the fruit that we bear? Do you understand that? Our faith. Like when people, people know who you are. Like I said in one of, the, one of the last two sermons, I said, you know, the way we act, the way we speak, youth, most of y'all weren't even here when I said this. The way you talk, the way you act, the way you go about showing people compassion shows them who you serve. Because Jesus said, the way you love will show people who you belong to. They will know that you're, you're a disciple of Jesus just by the way you love and the way you act. You understand that? They'll never have to ask any of you who you belong to, what, what faith you have, who you serve, because the way you act. 
is what Jesus says. Okay? And so, the fruits, the fruits I'm talking about are Galatians 5, 22 and 23, and it says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against these things, there is no law. Right? So think about that. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Let's just take the first five. They're all important, especially the last one, which is self-control, because how many of us struggle with self-control? We could be in tune with the Holy Spirit, but that flesh wants to do what the flesh wants to do, right? But it's only by seeking the Lord on purpose that you can, be, you can come to a place where you can put that flesh to bed and defeat it, okay? But one thing the Holy Spirit shared with me a while back is if love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, if they're fruits of the Spirit, what do I have if I don't know the Holy Spirit? Imitations. Fake imitations, right? Because there's Scripture that says, and I believe it's in Revelations, that you know, people will have a form of godliness, but they will have no power, right? And the power is the Holy Spirit, And if the fruits of the Spirit are by the Spirit, if I don't know the Spirit, then I truly don't know love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control, right? All I know is, is counterfeit. That's what it says. It says even in the end times when, when like the false prophets come, it said they will be coming in counterfeit power. Right. And so if I don't know the Holy Spirit and I'm not seeking to know the Holy Spirit, all I know is counterfeit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Right. All I know is fake existence of of that. And it's only by knowing the Holy Spirit will I truly know God's love. Right. That, That means no matter what, no matter what thing I come against. No matter how hard the world or the enemy even tries to hit me, he can't take my joy. He can't take my love. He can't take my peace because my hope is where? In the Lord. If, as long as whatever we do, if we're going in the name of the Lord, nothing can take what the Lord gives you. Nothing can take the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness from you because your hope is in the Lord. It's not in things. Okay? So I want you to notice that the tree in Jeremiah, Jeremiah 17, the tree that it's talking about, it wasn't spared the ravages of weather, right? It wasn't spared from the drought or the heat. It said both heat and drought come to it. It says, but the tree is deeply rooted along the water and is prepared for any hardship. Its leaves stay green, and it never, you hear me, never stops producing fruit. That's amazing because, because think about when hardships come against you. Think about it. We can get so wrapped up and distracted in the hardships of life that all fruit just ceases because we, we fall apart. It's what we do. And so this says here, those who hope in the Lord 
will never stop producing fruit because when calamity comes and the hardships in life come, your roots are planted by the water and your leaves will stay green and you will never stop producing fruit, right? That's, that's definitely hallelujah right there. That's a big hallelujah because he says no matter what comes against you, no matter what, he says I got you covered because your roots go deep in me. That's what the Lord says. Because your roots are deep in me, it, don't, it, it doesn't matter. Just like the snake bit Paul, right? Just like the snake bit Paul, Paul on the island where, where they got shipwrecked. You know what I mean? The snake comes up and bites him, and Paul goes from, uh, he goes from a demon to, a, to a, a god in a matter of seconds, right? The snake bites him, and they say, oh, you know, he must be, he's bad. You know, he's, he's just bad. That's what they say. They were watching him, waiting for him to die. Well, he just shakes the snake off in the, in the fire, and, and they're just waiting because they know people die in seconds when they're bit by this snake, right? Well, he never dies. Well, instantly they're like, oh, he must be a god then, you know, that quick. But it's because his hope is in the Lord, not in the world. When your hope is in the Lord, the viper can bite you, and it has zero effect. Do you understand that? Just like we talked about in Gideon where the Lord sent 32, I got to do some math, 32, (laughs) the Lord sent 31,700 troops home and they defeated a countless number of Midianites with 300, all right? And the thing is, they didn't even have to defeat them, the enemy defeated themselves. When you go in the name of the Lord, the enemy will defeat themselves. Do you get that? Nothing can stand against you when you're going in the name of the Lord. The enemy will defeat themselves. Galatians 5.25 says, Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Right? And so we have to be open to what the Spirit is telling us. We have to be open to what, where He's leading us. And we read God's Word. And, it, and it's the only way, if we're going to live by the Spirit and seek the fruit of the Spirit, then we must also live by the Spirit. Apostle Paul says in verse 16 of Galatians 5, says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. So going back to the things that we used to pursue in the world, as we let the Holy Spirit guide our lives, those sinful things that our flesh craves will no longer, they'll start to cease to exist. That voice of, of yes, you want this, yes, you want this, will start to dwindle and get less and less until there's a time where you can't even hear it anymore. And you'll hear the Spirit of the Lord louder than you hear the Spirit of self. So careful to keep... Careful to keep to, the, to his paths is the way of a worshiper, right? We are worshipers, are we not? What did we do this morning? We worshiped the Lord with praise. We sang to him, praise the Lord for he is good, right? He is good. And if you ask yourself, has he ever failed you? I don't think anybody in here can say yes to has he ever failed you, okay? It said it's the way, it, it is a way that goes deeper into his fellowship, worshiper. A worshiper, it's a way to go deeper in the fellowship with God because you are humbly submitting and praising God no matter what you're facing, right? I heard a pastor say one time, you know, God loves us deeply, okay? And yes, our tears 
They affect God. Yes, our tears. He loves us so much he doesn't want to see us in pain, but our tears don't move God. Okay? Our praise moves God. Why? Because no matter what you face, when you can lift up a sacrifice of praise, God says, I know you trust me. No matter what you're dealing with, I know you trust me. And so if you can praise him in the middle of a storm, he moves for you. He moves. Do you get that? Yes, he cares about our tears, but he cares more about the praise. Because when you praise him, showing that, God, I'm hurting so bad, but I know I'm going to praise you because I know you can change this in a second. He moves on your behalf. And that's amazing. We're getting close. I got a story to tell, and it's pretty radical. And so there's some people in here that was involved in it, too. Something that happened Friday. Um but I'm going to find a good place to put it in the hand. So, all right. It is also a way to allow the fruit of the Spirit to extend to others, right? Remember what we talk about, looking for those divine appointments? When we look for divine appointments of who we can speak into, okay? God says, I will use you if you will be my mouthpiece. Jeremiah 15, 19, I have fell in love with. That scripture, because it says, God's saying, if you return to me, if you will return to me, you will be my spokesman, right? He says, if you return to me and you speak good words, not worthless words. He said, don't speak worthless words. Speak good words. You will be my spokesman. And he says, you are to influence them. You are to influence them. Don't let them influence you. Do not let the world influence you. You are supposed to influence the world. Don't you know you have the Spirit of God upon you? And when they see the glory of the Lord upon you, that will change them. To keep in step with God is to walk in the fear of the Lord. But this is, a, this is not fear like like fear and trembling. This is a reverent, a respectful fear that inquires of his wisdom. We seek his wisdom is what we seek. Don't you know that wisdom is more precious than rubies, more precious than gold? The wisdom was, was there when the foundations of the earth were formed. And they say wisdom is so important because, because wisdom can keep you out of hell. You can't buy your way out of hell with gold and rubies, can you? But wisdom can keep you out of hell. It's a godly fear that produces understanding. Only the Lord can give us true understanding of what, what we see, what we don't understand in the world, things happening in the world, things in his word. When you read his word and you don't understand, well, don't you know only God can give you real understanding of what he's saying? Only God can give us real understanding of what's happening in the world right now. He opens our wisdom. He opens our understanding. He opens... In ways, just, just our hearts and our minds, right? Only he can open our minds to such a place that we understand the mysteries of the gospel even. So it's imperative and essential that the man and woman of God stay rooted, right? It Rooted in the word of God. The word of God is absolute truth. It is the most important. And if we're not rooted in the word of God... 
right? When Jesus was tempted, when Jesus was tempted in the desert, 40 days and 40 nights, what did he tell Satan? The word of God. He told Satan the word of God. That's what he spoke back to him, right? And so if we don't know the word of God, when Satan comes whispering in your ear, you ain't going to know what to say to him. So God's word is the weapons we need to fight the darkness or the lies of the enemy. And if we don't know God's word, we're not going to know what to say when the lies come knocking. We're not. So you aren't made to just exist. We were born with a purpose, right? We were born with a purpose on purpose. You're not made to just exist in the chair every Sunday. We're made to speak life in the people. We're made to push the gospel of Jesus Christ forward. And if, no, if you who are called by his name don't show people who Jesus is, then who's going to? Who is going to? says every single one of us was born to blaze a path. You are born to blaze a path for the kingdom of heaven, to ignite love, to speak compassion and encouragement into others. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to, we're supposed to ignite love, speak compassion, and speak encouragement in God's word in others. One spark starts a fire. One drop begins the rain. One step begins a journey. One uplifting conversation can turn someone in the right direction. Don't you know? Speak hope. Speak life. But be the light. Jesus says, I am the light. Be the light. We have the spirit of the Lord upon us. Be the light. And he said, you will do even greater things. Is that not amazing? What are you afraid of? What are you holding back for? In all things, what are you holding back for? Jesus says, you will do even greater things. You know, Pastor introduced us a couple weeks ago to something called Worshipper Warriors, right? And that's, that's just a good concept, Worshipper Warriors. And everybody sits there as you're pondering that like, that even sound right. But he was specific in Worshipper Warriors, right? I'm sure he had many arguments of people wanting to say, shouldn't it be the other way around? Shouldn't we be warrior worshipers? But he said, no, Worshipper Warriors is what we are. Why? Because we have to be worshipers first to gain the Lord. See, see, that's the thing. If you're looking to do anything in your own strength, you're missing. You're missing the whole point because your strength has limits. There is limits to what you can do. Right? We have to be worshiper warriors because when we're worshipers first, we gain God's strength and wisdom to be the warriors. That we need to be for the kingdom. Apart from the Lord's strength and wisdom, we can't be the warriors for the kingdom that God created us to be because we're just, we're trying to act in our own strength. And our own strength is falling. Our own strength has limits. In our weaknesses, he is strong. Says otherwise, we're simply, oh yeah, I forgot I had this on there. Otherwise, we are simply warriors in our own abilities. And will most likely become warriors instead of warriors. When you seek to do things in your own strength, 99% of the time, you become a warrior instead of a warrior. But when you're covered, when you have spent time with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and you come out and the glory of the Lord is radiating upon you, that's where you start to be the warrior 
in His presence, in His power, right? His presence is our greatest weapon. If I could sing like her, I would try it, but I ain't even going to try it. Too high pitch for me. <laughs> uh, oh, and, and it's just His presence is our greatest weapon, but I want you to remember it's also your greatest reward. It's not just a weapon. It is a weapon to push back the darkness and the lies that come against us on an everyday basis, but there's nothing greater than the presence of God. One moment, if you've ever felt the presence of the Lord upon you, it is a reward, not just a weapon. Um, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4 says, We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy fake arguments, right? We use God's mighty weapons. It doesn't matter what you're, you could be the, the most trained athlete in the world, right? Think about the greatest anyone, boxer, who fights for a living, right? They might have beat up a punching bag and beat up another person like it's nothing, but guess who they can't beat up in the flesh? the enemy because we he, he's not flesh we fight in the spirit not the flesh so you can train your body all you want but if you're not living for god it's all for nothing it says that our real lives are hidden in christ so if we're not seeking christ we're living this fake existence of life that isn't even the life that god created us for we have been wasting time that's all Romans 12, 2 says, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, <laughs> but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. When we seek him and we stop seeking to be like the world and seek to be like his son, says we will live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. And the Holy Spirit will give you the reformation of the things you used to seek not being important anymore. And you'll start seeking the things of the kingdom instead of the things of the world. So... The truth is, it's easy to find ourselves settled and complacent in life. Very easy, right? We can reach a place where we're just tired. We've been doing too much. We're burning the candle on both ends. So it's just like, God, just let me sit here for a little while. <laughs> just let me, let me have, just, just, I just want to coast. That's all I want to do for a little bit, you know. It's easy to find ourselves there. But there's so many reasons we can feel stuck, discouraged, or even adrift, right? Just like I said, we'll, we're like, God, just, just let me. Just let me be for a little while. Let me drift. I just want to coast for a little bit. All right? Don't make me do nothing. My wife calls it, for me, deflating my balloon. You know what I mean? I'll be preparing for a sermon all week, and then she's like, my Sunday evenings is like the, the, the balloon deflating slowly. She's <laughs> like, you're trying to deflate your balloon. Said, yeah, and I'm just, just, just Lord, just let me, let, me, let me rest a bit. Um, but there's also so many reasons we lose our enthusiasm, you know, 
enthusiasm. Don't you know that that's also a gift from the Lord? He said he gives us the desire and power to do what pleases him. So when we lose our enthusiasm, we have to know that we're probably separated from the Lord. We are most likely separated from the Lord. He is our source of life. He is our fuel. Just like you put gas in the car, the Lord's presence is the gas that keeps us going. Supernaturally at that, which is amazing. Uh, so there's so many reasons we lose enthusiasm and we forfeit our hope, our sense of purpose, and our peace. When we're not pursuing to be led by the Lord, easy to forfeit your hope. What do you hope in? Everything is hopeless when you haven't been spending time with the Spirit of God. Everything's hopeless, right? Everything, you know, your purpose is like, what am I even here for? If you're not tied to the Spirit of God, which knows the thoughts and mind of God, then you don't know what the heck you're doing on any given day, right? Because only the Spirit of God knows the thoughts of God for your life. So if you're not pursuing the Spirit of God, you don't know what God thinks about your life. And then peace. We can't have peace if we have no hope. If we, have, if we don't know why we're even supposed to be here. If we think we're just merely being created to exist. We have no peace. The, the author of this article I'm reading right now said, In their opinion, the foremost reasons are because many people have lost sight of who God created them to be, what God created them to do, or and what God created them to do, resulting in countless people not actively, intentionally, and purposefully pursuing what our Heavenly Father has planned for them. If we're not actively pursuing the Lord, you're not going to know what God has planned for you. And, and his word says that he saved us for his plan. Not your plan, not your agenda, not what you want to do tomorrow. He saved you for his plan. And his glory also. Basically, they are disconnected. You are disconnected from the Lord. If your life is in disarray, not to say calamity won't come, not to say that, because it says the fires still come, but by the Spirit of the Lord, they will not phase you. They will not. First Peter, right? First Peter, I love, and talks about our faith being tested like gold is purified. Your faith, the faith you have in the Lord is tested like gold is purified. How is gold purified? It gets put through fire. Put through fire. And it says at the end, after it's been put through fire, right, it's been refined so much so that it is so pure. It says our faith, after being put through this fire, will be purer than the purest gold. So, yes, you will face hardships. But Jesus says, I've overcome the world. Don't be afraid. I've already overcome the world. The Spirit of God upon you will give you what you need to go get through any, any and every circumstance in your life. But you have to stay connected. You have to stay connected to the Lord. 2 Timothy 1.9 says, He has saved us and called us to live a holy life. Not because of anything we have done. But because of his, here it is, that's just what I was saying a minute ago. But because of his own purpose and grace, right? So it says, he called us 
to live a holy life in him through Jesus Christ. It says that because, it's not because of anything we did, but because of our, his own purpose and his grace. Okay, so for the purpose he has for us is why you've been saved. And so why do we need to serve him on purpose? Because of the purpose that he saved us, right? And so if we're not seeking the purpose that he saved us for, then you're going to easily fall victim to the worries of the world, attacks of the enemy, right? And don't you know that the attacks of the enemy upon your life is the evidence of the faith that you have, evidence of the calling that you have why would the enemy attack something that's already serving him jesus said why why would why would his kingdom i i can't remember his exact words but it's it's you know why would satan attack satan a kingdom cannot withstand if you're attacking your own self you're attacking so why would he attack what's already serving him that goes to show you too if you're not under attack you might want to think about who you're serving. So remember, be influencers. Be influencers. Okay? It says you must influence them. Do not let them influence you. You are a child of God. We just sang that. We are children of God. He created us. He calls us masterpiece. And he gave us a purpose to serve his kingdom. And if we will just submit to his purpose, he will do supernatural, amazing things through us. And if you, it's, as we talked last time, even more blessed are those who believe without seeing. The disciples saw many wonders amidst Jesus, right? And some of them still even doubted. They saw, some of them saw the miracles of God and still even doubted. But he says, even more blessed are those who believe without seeing. And he says, and you will do greater things. And his spirit is upon you, so be the influencer. Don't be influenced by them. Be the light, okay? Now, the alternative. Here's the alternative to not serving the Lord. Jeremiah 17, 5 and 6, 5 and 6, which is right before 7 and 8 that I read earlier, says this is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. They are like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. They will live in the barren wasteland, in an uninhabited, salty land. It says you are hopeless. If, you're, if your trust is in man, if your trust is in the world, you are hopeless. And when the time of calamity comes, that is worse than anything we've ever faced in our life, the real time of calamity, he says you're going to be knocked off your feet and you're going to look to anything that is going to give you hope. That's why the false prophets are going to be so important in the end times. Because if people don't know God's truth now, do you think they're all of a sudden going to be battle ready then? No, they're not. And so if your hope and trust isn't in the Lord now, and your hope and trust is in the world or in other people, he says, you are cursed. You are cursed. You are like a stunted shrub in the desert. I really like how the message translation puts it. It says, Cursed is the strong one who depends on mere humans, who thinks he can make it on muscle alone, 
and sets God aside as dead weight. Oh, I spoke in that first message about putting God on the shelf like like, you know, bathroom cleaner or something. You know, we put him on the shelf and we're like, God, it's all dirty. I got to get you off the shelf now and clean it. You know, I went into my prayer closet and I said, God, I'm going to pull you off the shelf because I need you right now. (laughs) And he laughed at me. He said, where have you been? I've been where you left me. Where have you been? He says, a person who doesn't trust in the Lord, he's like a tumbleweed. (laughs) Think about that. Let that image. You don't have roots planted by the water. You never seen in movies with tumbleweeds just flowing through the desert, you know? That's what you are, wandering aimlessly. So it says, it says like a tumbleweed on a prairie, out of touch with the good earth, his, his, he lives rootless and aimless in a land where nothing grows. Right? Rootless and aimless. He has, he has no roots, nothing grows, and you just wander aimlessly throughout this life. And that's the thing, right? If we are not pursuing Christ, we don't know our real life says our real life is hidden in Christ. And if we're not pursuing Christ, we are wandering aimlessly like the tumbleweed. That's all we're doing. Right? When we compartmentalize our faith from other areas in our lives, like work, hobbies, social media, or any other social event, think about that. Are you the same faithful, faith-based Christian when you go to work? Are you the same child of God when you're hanging out with friends are you the same in social media or you know or everything are you the same person because God says when you're not it's troublesome right when we compartmentalize when we separate ourselves like okay I'm gonna be who my friends want me to be today I'm not gonna be who God wants me to be today when I go to work I gotta be like them at work right well that'd be bad because I work in the shipyard and if you know shipyard environment and language and everything, and if you're seeking to be like them, you're seeking trouble. That's all you're seeking. He said, be set apart. He said, you are called. You have been set apart. Don't be influenced by them. You influence them. Influence them with how you act, how you talk, the way, the way you do everything is evidence of whose you are. All right? It says, we enter these things, not as a tree with deep roots by the stream, but like the tumbleweed, blown about by every crisis, right? No matter what crisis comes our way, we're just going to be tossed and blown like the wind because we don't have roots planted. Uh, it says, completely out of touch with our life-giving Heavenly Father, our Our Heavenly Father is who gives us life. He sustains us. He speaks life into our hearts, and He breathes life into us, right? When He breathes, there's life in His breath, because it's our breath, and it's His breath in our lungs. That's what He says. The breath we breathe is the breath that He gives us. And so, it says, And totally unable to rise above worry, and bear fruit where we are planted. So like I was saying earlier, when calamity comes against us, right? When it comes against us, 
we're so stricken by the situation we're in, we're completely distracted, and we're shut down for the kingdom. That's exactly where the enemy wants you to be. And so recognize, you have to recognize what he's trying to do and beat him at his own game. Because when you have the Spirit of God, he can't affect you in any kind of way. So, do you truly believe you're where you are by accident? That's the question. No matter what you're facing, do you believe you're there by accident? Right? You're planted where you, where you are for a reason. You are to bear fruit for the kingdom where you are. And it says, don't you know that God's word says in Luke 16, who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. It says, if you will just be faithful where you are, I will give you more responsibility. But you have to prove yourself faithful in the little before you will be faithful in much. He says, if you can't even prove yourself faithful in a little, trusting that I put you there for a reason, how can I trust you in bigger things to think that I put you there for a reason? If we're not able to humble ourselves over a little thing, how in the world do we think we're going to humble ourselves over a great thing? It'd be even easier to be haughty, to be prideful, to be pious. To be any of those things, the greater the blessing of God, he knows where our hearts are. Don't you know that? He knows where your heart is. And he's the one who, who appoints things for us. And if we're not truly ready for that great thing that he wants to do in us, it's not going to happen. No matter how hard you seek it, because he doesn't want to see you destroyed either. He doesn't want to see you destroy yourself if you're not ready for it. Seek the Lord. Ephesians 3.19 says, May you experience the love of Christ. Though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. So may you experience the peace and love of Christ. And in Ephesians 4, 14 and 15 says, Then you will no longer be immature. Like children, we won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body the church. Our goal is to be more and more like Christ. Do you understand when he says you've been saved for his purpose and his purpose is for you to be more and more like his son. That is his purpose for you to be the light bringer wherever you go. As Christians, I'm choking here. Mama Shay called me long-winded. As Christians, one of the core elements of our relationships with God is forgiveness, right? It's forgiveness as Christians. It says we would have no relationship. This, this is where you have to have this understanding of why it's important to seek God on purpose, okay? We would have no relationship with God if he didn't reach out and forgive us. Even in our sin. 
If he didn't reach out and make a better way, we wouldn't even have a relationship with him. We would just be condemned. We would just be gone already. Oh, man, I heard a thing. Um, I said, it, there's this, there was this meme or gif or whatever you call that thing. And so it, it said, it, it was a lady asking a man, why would a good God send people to hell? Right? And it, it was, it's, it's been put so simply, and we don't think of it. And he said, God doesn't send people to hell. We're already headed there. All right? Think about yourself being on a cruise ship, he says. And if the cruise ship is going down, there's lifeboats. All right? You have a choice to get in the lifeboat or not get in the lifeboat. If you don't get in the lifeboat, you're going, you're already sinking. Right? But Jesus Christ is that lifeboat. And if you choose Jesus Christ, the lifeboat, you're saved from hell. Otherwise, you're just going where you're already going. So, we wouldn't have a relationship with God if Jesus chose to wait for an apology from us before dying for our sins on the cross. Just think if Jesus was, was waiting on you to apologize for him to die for you. It'd be too late. See, God, didn't, God did not wait for us to get right. Before forgiving us. He didn't wait for that. He didn't wait for us to get right before forgiving us. And Romans 5, 8 says, Yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You get that. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There's nothing we can do successfully without God, without the Holy Spirit in our lives. So, you know... Friday, thank God for, for believers who believe, right? Thank God for people who believe. So Friday, you know, Heston graduated on the 22nd, um, and so we, we got blessed with a fishing trip, you know, kind of like for his graduation, and we went snapper fishing Friday. And we're out, and we're, how many miles out was it? It was like, yeah, so we're at, it was it, it, off of Dolphin Island. Uh, it's not far off of Gulf Shores, but off of Dolphin Island. It's like 16 miles, right? And so we're at the rigs, and we've been fishing for two hours, having a good time. We, we hasn't got to catch some snapper. It was a great time, right? And then all of a sudden, the boat starts filling up with water. <laughs> yeah. Yes, right? It's taking on water. And thank God, David... Shelly, Hannah, were also out there in their boat, right? This thing's filling up with water, and we're like, okay, it's all right. It's only like ankle deep. Well, what happened was the live well, Stephen, is, he, he pulled the plug and cleaned it because they used to just use it as a trash hold. Well, he forgot to put the plug back in the live well. So it's, thank God it was a small hole, right? And it just for two hours been sitting there filling up little by little. So happens and he he's like oh we got to move we got to move forward because he knows if you move forward it'll pull the water out right so he's like we got to move forward we got to move forward so we go and we get everything unhooked well in the meantime right me and cameron done limited out on ours and cameron's playing around fishing on top of the water he hooks this monster fish who's tugging him all over the place and he's fighting it we're sinking and cameron is fighting the fish 
the whole time, right? And so, Stephen, I get the rope undone, and Stephen goes, and he's trying to move. Well, <laughs> it, it couldn't, you know, I think it could have been bad, but nothing else could have went wrong, as you know, how they say. I don't know what else could have went wrong. Stephen yanks it in gear. Well, the linkage disconnects, and it kicks us in reverse. Well, when we go in reverse, we go deeper. The bottom goes deeper under and fills up with more water, right? And so we're, we're just out there floating, and we're kind of tail spinning because we're stuck in reverse. And, it was, and it, so Stephen's like, we got to bail water. So I'm in the back, and I've got the ice chest. And I'm just bailing water with the ice chest. Mind you, Cameron is still fighting this fish while we're sinking, right? Still. And he wound up pulling up a 27-inch snapper, by the way, with this. I am bailing water. And after about the fifth chug of the water, I throw the whole ice chest over. But I say, ah! (laughs) Thankfully, I held on to the lid. And and I'm like, ah! And I'm I'm starting to... Scooping water out with the lid and some guys and we're we're yelling, David, David, because we were we were going we were going down, and so David comes flying over there. We hook it up to their boat. Shelly about gets her finger snatched off because David guns it as she's tying the rope, and we're going a little ways and I'm in the back pumping. But they, these guys come in another boat. I didn't think I didn't feel like we were gonna die, but I felt like we were fixing to lose Stephen's boat and everything, right? And so. Cameron's still fighting the fish, mind you, right? And, and, and we're, I'm back there with the thing, just, I can't bail fast enough, right? You, I can't. We couldn't, without help, right? There you go, without Jesus. You can't bail fast enough when you're sinking. You can't. It cannot. This was a real-life event, and I couldn't bail fast enough because it just kept taking on water. And as David's pulling us forward, the, the, one of the pleats on the side he was pulling us from rips off and shoots over Stephen's head. If it had hit him, it might have killed him. So we had to get it real quick, and we hooked it to the other side, and we got going pulling. And then come to find out, Hannah, thank you, Hannah, she was up there praying. She was praying, and she's and as I'm stri- I'm driving. Stephen's working on the engine, <laughs> and and all of a sudden it, he gets it kicked in gear forward. Once he gets it kicked in gear forward, and we can go forward, the water will start running out. So he gets it kicked in gear forward, and we take off, and we come to find out. As Hannah said, as I was praying and said, "Amen," y'all started moving forward. So it's like. Is that how it works? Yes, that's how it works, right? You have not because you ask not. And if you will be faithful to be a servant of the Lord, no matter where you are, you will see amazing things. Coincidence? No, of course not. You think that was by accident? No. When you seek the Lord, he reveals himself to you. And without God, you can't bail fast enough when you're sinking. You can't. There was nothing I could do to keep that boat afloat. It was going down no matter how fast I bailed. Some people even pulled up and threw us a pump. So, I mean, this was, the hose was like this long. And we're, we're pumping away to get this thing. And we're going down. And <laughs> you can't pump fast enough without the Lord. When you're going down, when you're already sinking 
You're going where you were intended to go. Jesus is the lifeboat. This whole time we were so wrapped up. We were so wrapped up in stopping the boat from sinking. Not a one of us had a life vest on, right? And so what's crazy is Stephen had these uh, auto life vests. When water touches it, it... It explodes. He, we open his console. Every one of them were inflated inside the thing. You couldn't even get it out because they were all inflated inside the console. So that was an adventure. But, but most importantly, just you can't bail fast enough when you're sinking. You can't. When you, if you're already sinking and you're trying to do it without God. There's no amount of bailing you'll be able to do to get yourself back above water. None whatsoever. You're going down already. So Romans, winding this down, closing. Romans 8, verse 31 through 34 says, What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Who can ever be against us if God is for us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Serve him with intention. He gave up his son for you. Don't you understand? That deserves you to try harder. It's earned. He's earned you trying harder for him. He gave up his son for us. Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. God gave us right standing with himself through the shed blood of his son, Jesus Christ. He gave up his son for us. So all of this ties back in to why should we serve him on purpose? Because he has already paid a high price for us says, who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Our Lord and Savior sits at the right hand of God. And as the accuser stands up there and he spouts these things about us, you should have seen what that person did. You should have seen what that person did. But if you're a child of God and you've accepted the blood of Jesus Christ, Jesus is your defense attorney. Do you understand that? Jesus is sitting there at the right hand of God and he's saying, that's, that's your child. Don't you see your spirit upon him? My blood covers My blood is covering that. That's what Jesus says. My blood is covering that. Overwhelming victory is ours through Jesus Christ. All of it through Jesus Christ. If you coming in the name of the Lord, there's no Goliath that can stand before you. Do you get that? As Goliath stood before David spouting all kinds of trash, all kinds of garbage about Jehovah, David just said, I'm coming in the name of the Lord. And that Goliath don't know that you got a sling and a rock and you are anointed. Do you get that? You are an anointed child of God. 
So stand with me. Ah. 